You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. Today, Dr. Cami Benton, MD, is back for part two of A Doctor's Conundrum. Hi, Cami. Welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> yes. I know. I always really enjoy our conversations. Uh, so we wanted to talk about the influenza vaccine, but I thought first, do you have any COVID updates since our last conversation? Uh, anything that you might want to talk about? I do see that now the PCR tests are being scrapped. And to me, the ramifications of that are immense. <laughs> oh, wow. Like the, pro- the problem is, is they always have a good reason for why we should not be concerned with what's happening. But yeah, they, they said that basically, um, you know, they're, they're scrapping it because they needed to be more able to differentiate between COVID and influenza. And, you know, you'll remember from this past year that influenza was almost non-existent for the first time in our modern history that we know of. Right. Yes. (laughs) I even wonder, it's like, well, maybe is I honestly, I didn't see any flu either because everyone of course is being, um, tested at, um, you know, for COVID first over the flu. That was like, that's pretty much was, I remember a year ago, they're saying test for flu and strep. If it's negative, then test for COVID because there's a shortage of COVID tests. Mm, but then once okay. COVID tests became readily available, then, um, then it was like, then everyone was just tested for COVID period, whether it's a sore throat or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and if you recall, I mean, some, of the, I'll, I'll repeat this for those who had not listened to the previous ones. There was a couple issues. In, there were a couple issues anyway, because with the PCR testing, they, they use this thing called cycle, what we call cycle times. It's like how many times it goes through and to decide whether or not it's positive or negative. So they, per the CDC, optimal cycle times is 28 to 30. Mm-hmm. And if you go over 33 cycle times, you're more likely to get a false positive. So it could detect any fragment of coronavirus, right? So, um, so that's a problem if the cycle times are run over that. Well, throughout the year, they used 37 to 40 cycle times mm-hmm. for the PCR testing, which is way over the 33 cycle times, which is considered the maximum. Uh, they said anything 33 and over is considered false positive. So okay. how many of those asymptomatic infections last year were false positive? How many of those like minor colds or sinus infections were false positives, right? Mm-hmm. So then, but I'm still confused even like how, so if it's, if that's not differentiating between flu and COVID, what else is it also covering right. and how many of these positive tests were that? Well, so now Bill Gates, I don't know if you know, Bill Gates and George Soros has bought a whole like PCR lab test. Yep. I read that. And, you know, now, of course, I know they're saviors to the planet and everyone loves how they are saving everyone. Right? Well, not everybody thinks that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't either. I'm being totally facetious there. I know. Like, how can this, like, one more thing that this guy has his hands in and like, no one I know trusts George Soros and his, um, his decisions related to this country. Um, and our well-being, um, and definitely not Bill Gates. Um, but here they are. They're coming to save the day again with a new PCR test that's going to supposedly differentiate between the two. Now, keep in mind, so here we have, so going back to the PCR testing, so it's th- set at 37 to 40 cycle times, and then come February or March, I can't remember exactly when, the CDC set out something to say, hey, we're going to like lower the cycle times because there's so many people out here with it. we got to make sure there's no false positives. We're going to lower it to 28 after the vaccine's already been rolled out for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So that's going to naturally get rid of all those false positives. And now if we're going to have another test that then further differentiates between potentially, we'll see, COVID versus other infections, then they're going to see it further go down as we have more and more vaccinated. So is it really the vaccinated that's decreasing the cases or is it the testing? Right. So I argued with a doctor friend of mine. I was like, I do believe the statistics will end this pandemic. And that's if they ever let us in the pandemic. Because if we were able to actually treat with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine like we should have been able to treat this entire year, we Mm -hmm. would not have had 600,000 deaths. And it would not have been remotely. I mean, some people even argue that the pandemic 
um, title is not even appropriate anyway. Um, that is just based upon the new definition of pandemic in the last like year or two that they changed it to that, right? Mm-hmm. So based on old levels, this would not even be considered a pandemic the way it is. So, I mean, it gets deep. Like even as I speak, all these like inconsistencies, my head just whirls with the inconsistencies from our government and from doctors. And and I will tell you, I know these doctors well enough to tell you that they are not in cahoots with this in the sense that they are aware of it. They're totally unaware of what we're talking about and they don't want to hear about it. Like I presented um, ivermectin data to a friend of mine who I've been on vacation with multiple times, a doctor friend. His heart is good. His heart is in the right place. And uh, he means well. And last year he left administrative um, healthcare to go back into the hospital to, cause this guy's a brilliant guy. He's a, an excellent physician, I think on the floor. I mean, I'm not going to deny any of that. He's a great mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. However, when I presented him data throughout the year about, Oh, guess what? Vitamin D decreases mortality. Here's the study. Nope. Not interested. Vitamin C, not interested. Math plus protocol, not interested. COVID-19 like protocol with ivermectin, not interested. And so I presented him the meta-analysis on uh, ivermectin about two weeks ago, and he got angry. And I was literally, the whole year, I've not even mentioned the word vaccine. I've not even mentioned the vaccine. He got angry. He said, the vaccine is going to end, is ending this pandemic. And I'm like, dude, like statistics are going to end this pandemic. I like, but I'm just writing you about ivermectin anyway. He's like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm like, but here's a meta-analysis showing it decreases mortality why are you not jumping up and down with joy? And he says, I am tired of anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists. Wow. So one example, I showed the same data to another doctor friend of mine. She just was like, yeah, thanks for saying that. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know what? She didn't want to hear about it until her partner who had already been vaccinated got COVID again. So then all of a sudden she's like, what's the dose of ivermectin? <laughs> then suddenly they're willing to take the ivermectin, right? Mm-hmm. But until they're not willing to even treat so doctors I know who are good people are not willing to treat. Why? Because they've been told that if you prescribe ivermectin, that you're a bad person, that you must be a Trump lover, homophobe, racist. Somehow they've turned practice medicine into like all these strange like insults that have nothing to do with anything. Yeah, and it's so, I, so crazy. I, you know, I, not even death if it were not if we could actually have treated the whole year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well I at one example um, one of the telegram threads I'm on somebody was uh, wrote in about that he was so sick kept going to the hospital um, nobody was helping him and finally out of desperation uh, he found actually he used the horse paste ivermectin because he couldn't find anything right. else and in two days he was better <laughs> you know right now, and, and again, some people still might get sick. Now, I can tell you this, of uh, people I know that are treating, they said, as long as we can get people treated in under a week, like seven days, mm-hmm. we've had zero hospitalizations in those patients. Yeah. I mean, zero. I mean why I'm wouldn't everybody want that? I just, ooh. <laughs> again, if, 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 and if our government said, do you know, we're going to do everything we can to save people. Everybody take vitamin D, get some sunshine. Um, let's do the ivermectin. Yes, we don't have studies on it already because literally like last spring, last March and April, there's no studies. We can't use that. I'm like, there's no studies for anything for COVID-19. This is brand right. new, right? Right. So if the government said, let's use ivermectin, let's use hydroxychloroquine, even whether or not you agree with those things now or not, you know, early on in the pandemic, if they would have said, let's save lives, I would have trusted them a lot more, mm-hmm. but they did not. Right. Let's save lives. The vaccine is going to be the only thing that can save us and remdesivir that I'm still just now starting to, I was aware, made aware of remdesivir is the inpatient treatment that was pretty much required use of in the hospital. And I I read somewhere and I've got to verify this. So out there, like I've got to verify this, but um, the, the remdesivir has like 22% rate of serious adverse reactions, mm-hmm. including acute kidney failure and sepsis. And then that it was actually stopped early in the Ebola trial because of the high mortality rate associated with it. Now, I don't know if the high mortality rate associated because Ebola was just so bad and it just didn't work or was it due to the adverse reactions? So then I talked to a, a family doctor friend of mine who indeed said, yep, I'm seeing all those adverse reactions with it. So how many people did we kill with a treatment that we mandated in this country but mm-hmm. would not let people treat early? So right. again, 
th- th- this goes on and on. It goes deeper and deeper. I'm like, how can people be so trusting of what they see on the news and propaganda? But when you watch the news, people are terrified and they're like, oh my gosh, we got to go like listen to whatever they say because they do a great job of marketing. Oh, yes. So that, yeah, so you have PCR tests that they're about to change. It's going to change the game. The numbers like already include tons of false positives. Who knows how many? Mm-hmm. Um, because of the way the testing was set up, and it was set up. I believe it. I, I don't know how it could not be set up intentionally that way right. because if it's on the CDC website, not to go over thirty three cycle times, but yet it was set at thirty seven to forty. Mm-hmm. That is some major puppeteering, right? From way high up. Yeah, I mean, it really makes you wonder. And I was also reading something. Uh, somebody found a document that stated that it, it was a, a contractual agreement between the government and uh, I don't, I forget if it was just Pfizer or if it was all the vaccine companies, but that they could not promote anything other than vaccines. That's it. Right. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that's what we're seeing, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we're so I that's why I I can't comprehend still where we're at right now and they're starting to mandate this vaccine and business. Now the government is not mandating because they know it's unconstitutional. Right. And they know that based on the Nuremberg Code, they could never really get away with that. Mm -hmm. by the government enforcing it, but they're allowing businesses to enforce an experimental vaccine. I think they're pushing businesses to do it. They're pushing businesses to do that. Yes, they are. I think Cuomo said um, something, made an announcement, something about that. Hey, we have businesses, you know, it's time to, we need to to show the unvaccinated that they, until they get vaccinated, they cannot live life in a normal way. So yeah, they're pushing it and they're pushing people to sign up for a study. They're, they're coercing people. And then, unfortunately, our fellow citizens are the ones getting in the way of saying, but it's their right to keep their workplace safe. Mm-hmm. And and it's our responsibility to keep the workplace safe. But according to the CDC a week ago, they said that the vaccinated have just as much viral load as the unvaccinated. And that they're still saying, and that might be true, I'm not going to deny this because I can't, I don't know what to believe and what not to believe here. Mm-hmm. But supposedly it protects against more serious illness and hospitalization and death. So let's say, let's give them that. Let's say, okay, the vaccine prevents a hospitalization and death. Great. That's wonderful. Um, but so does ivermectin. So I claim that side, but, um, and vitamin D and zinc and NAC. And <laughs> I've got a whole yeah. list of, yeah, vitamin D, NAC, zinc, um, C60, all of those things. And I, and uh, ivermectin can help keep you, your immune functions in your body in, in, in very strong so that you can easily uh, handle it without, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of grief. Right. So, so anyway, so exactly all that anyway. So, but they say that the, the vaccinated have just as much viral load, which right. means they, they can get infection and I've seen patients with it. My doctor, her partner uh, at work, she came down with COVID after being vaccinated. And then her response is, well, you know, I, I just hate that it didn't last that long because they got vaccinated back in February. It's, it's a bummer. It didn't last that long. I'm like, it's now it's August 3rd. It's, Six, not even six months, seven months since you got vaccinated and it's already wearing off and you've had two shots. Like how many more do you want? <sighs> yeah, really, really. And then the graphene oxide that they found in it, that's a heavy toxin. And the inconsistencies, because one minute I'm reading, you know, the vaccinated are are spreading the quote unquote virus. And then, uh, and then someone else is saying, well, it's the unvaccinated that's the problem. So like, what is it? I, I really don't know the answer to that. And I think we won't know the answer for a while. And and honestly, like I said, at this point, I just simply don't trust our the, the leaders. Um, and they deserve to not be trusted, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. immunologists, there's everyone disagreeing. So some immunologists warned this whole year that if we vaccinate in a peak of a pandemic, we're going to create escape variants that are going to be more dangerous. Right. And mm-hmm. this could be more contagious and more dangerous. Other immunologists are blaming on the unvaccinated, allowing the variants to grow. If you look at really pandemics in the past, they're always done in one to three years anyway. And the dangerous strain actually becomes less and less dangerous over time. 
Right. Yep. Always. Right. I mean, isn't that the way it always becomes less dangerous, less, less potent, right. less. So why is this different? Why is this different? But then I look at the UK's data and Israel's data, depending on who you see. Um, but I had seen evidence that in Israel and in the UK, even though it was more, cont- the Delta variant was more contagious, it was less dangerous and there were fewer hospitalizations. It seems not to be the right. case here. It seems to be like, really, people are getting sick again with the with COVID. And I'm assuming it's the Delta variant. I mean, they've done spot checks apparently across the country. I don't even know how to check for a Delta variant in my office. Like we just do the regular same PCR and rapid testing. Anyways. So if it's less there, why is it more here? And again, that's a very good question. Is it really worse here or is it propaganda worse here? Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. And again, I've talked to people and they're like, they say, Oh no, it's getting really bad in the ER. So maybe it's real. All right. So, okay, let's maybe it's real. And then I saw another doctor today say, oh, it seems to be more 30 to 50-year-olds. So it's getting affecting younger people more seriously. So again, why is that? They blame it on the unvaccinated people. And of course, we blame it on the vaccinated people because it's creating escape variants. So that's the immunologic thing because this is not natural to become more dangerous. It's just- right. Well, and to me, Cammie, um, okay, so... If, if people are vaccinated and they've created these antibodies and they're bypassing their immune functions, it would seem to me that then when they uh, become exposed to a variant or whatever, that their immune functions aren't going to be able to handle it. So it may not be that the variant is more dangerous. It may be that the w- immune system is weaker. Right. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I would love to know the answer to this. And I'd love to know. I wish we can have people on all sides of the, the spectrum of opinion, medical opinion, um, to actually weigh in on it together. Right. And not, yes. Cause I've seen, I've seen several, uh, data points that say in, in various countries that it's about three quarters of the people who are being hospitalized have been fully vaccinated. Right. So, and, and right now in, in Israel, they're actually ordering a third round of vaccines for, people. God. So, and what do you think about the graphene oxide? So it's my understanding now that all of the vaccines have been tested and they all have graphene oxide in it. And that the nasal swabs have graphene oxide in it. And that the, um, a lot of the masks have graphene oxide in them. Well, the problem is, I don't know. Here's the thing about those. I believe it exists. I have not seen proof of it. So I love, Mm -hmm. if you could see me like I've seen people talk about it and I've seen people Mm -hmm. show me their magnets and quarters and bottle caps sticking to their arms, like people I know. So it's not like it's not Mm -hmm. people I know. It's it's not like it's just from the the online. Like it's actually people who have done Mm -hmm. it. You're like, okay, that was, that's weird. (laughs) I would love to see the the evidence of it myself because I just have not had the opportunity to see that evidence, but Okay. Yeah, I do have some that I'll yeah. send you. I'm writing it down right now. So I'll send that I to you when you're done. I believe it's possible because, again, it, it goes along with the rest of the year, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But I, and, I, and I will tell you, I did have three patients who did. I was like, hey, put a magnet to you and see if it works. And it did not work for them. But then I'm, I've known three other people that it did work for them. So I don't know if it's a difference in the vaccine. I don't know if it's a difference in the timing of it, if it kind of wears off after a while you know, but anything. Well, I was one. Yeah, I was wondering this was, um, first of all, I, um, I know that at least with Pfizer, that they're experimenting with the dosages. Um, that I've, uh, some, there's documentation on that. So they have, because this is an experiment, right? right? So they are experimenting with the dosages to see what the reaction, what the response is. Um, so that's one aspect. Another is that if, if this is being found in, you know, it's traveling throughout the body and, and being found throughout the body, it may be a timing thing because once it's, um, uh, what do I want? traveled from the deltoid uh, into the, uh, the, you know, I guess the vascular system and then going to the other organs of the body. Maybe there isn't enough there at the deltoid. Um, but I all have also seen where people have been putting the magnets on the clavicle because what is it at 48 hours, the highest concentration, at least this was from Pfizer data was the ovaries. And then the second highest was um, the, the bones. Uh-huh. 
the bone marrow. So that would correlate with, um, with them sticking to the bones. Ah, interesting. I have to get them. Mm-hmm. Cause things stick in bones longer anyway. And it was, all mm-hmm. and then you think about still think about the ovaries, that whole issue. When I, when I watch people vaccinating their young daughters, um, you know, the, their young daughters already have all the eggs that they're going to have for their whole life in them. So let's mm-hmm. say, let's say they're able to have kids, but those eggs, when combined with the dad's sperm, you know, mm-hmm. someday, how is that egg going to be? How's the health of that egg going to be? And as that child, mm-hmm. whenever they have children going to be fertile or infertile, we don't even know. Like, I'm not saying they will mm-hmm. be. I can't say that. I say, I don't know. But if the highest level of the spike protein is in the ovaries, um, I'm, I, I would never give that to my daughter. I have three, I have oh, three girls yes. and I would never give that to my kids. And I'm just like, I'm just terrified to see people giving their children and their children are being signed up for an experiment. They don't even realize it. They just think they're just being told, hey, you got to do your public health deed. You got to do this for the public good. When it does not even prevent spread, it does not decrease transmission rate. <laughs> I know it doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's no common sense here. And I've read two reports of couples who um, have been working with fertility clinics. Uh, the eggs and the sperm were all healthy. And then after their vaccinations or their shots, when they went back to their fertility clinics, uh, that was not the case anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. I've read two different reports of that. Yep. <sighs> so, you know, it's there, there's no reason. I, the first thing to me is up your vitamin D, you know, that that's, that's number one. And then I, I actually, I created a PDF of uh, on one side, it's how to use a nebulizer uh, with hydrogen peroxide and iodine because any for any upper respiratory infection, it anything, it just, just works beautifully. Yes. Um, so I have the instructions for that. And then on the other side, I, I just revised this whole thing and, and really updated it. And in fact, my retired MD friend, I sent it to her and she was like, oh my God, that's fabulous. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Because <laughs> um, I didn't, I, you know, I, I actually sent it to her. She wanted to make corrections. And on the other side, things like vitamin D, zinc, uh, C, uh, what else do I have on there? Humic fulvic acid, ivermectin, how to use ivermectin, how to how to figure out how much you need. Um, C60, C60 is supposed to be one of the best antioxidants that helps pull toxins and metals out. Um, something called green chiretta, chiretta. I just found out about that. My former husband, Joe, he lives in Thailand and he sent me, uh, it was uh, from the Bangkok Times. They've been testing this green chiretta with people who are who are sick, and they're finding that it works really well. And they're recommending there was a recommendation in there about how much to use, and uh, the government of Thailand is recommending it. And so I put that in there. I put in chaga tea. I had been putting in pine needle tea, but I had heard some negative. Uh, it was actually from a, a phyto. Uh, like an herbal text, it looked like the text was about two inches thick, uh, saying that that the pine needle tea had some adverse reactions, interfered with testosterone, estrogen balance, and had some adverse reactions with um, with certain drugs. So uh, the chaga tea was a better a better uh, choice. I read about star anise too. It's supposed to be good. Yep. Effects, but mm-hmm. star anise mm-hmm. too in high doses can cause electrolyte abnormality. So um, I wasn't sure about the pine needle tea. I'm not used to people drinking pine needle tea, but I got myself some essential oil, the pine needles, just that way I had it ready. But um, I was like, never really, I've not been able to find good data on like safety. Mm-hmm. Star anise, I do know that it can create sodium issues in high doses. But most people don't drink mm-hmm. high doses. Mm-hmm. Most people drink a tea or two a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other two things were astax- astaxanthin and quercetin. So the whole idea with, with some of these things is that glutathione degrades graphene oxide and, and glutathione, um, 
I'm, I'm reading from my sheet here, can reduce even to zero its toxicity. And that's been demonstrated. So NAC is really important because that is a really effective antioxidant on my Kootenai Freedom thread. Somebody said, well, why not just take glutathione? But NAC, which is N-acetylcysteine, it causes the body to secrete glutathione endogenously. So it's it's encouraging your body to actually make its own glutathione rather than taking it exogenously or, you know, from the outside. So that's why I think NAC is is really important. And it's hard to get the right formulation. Like it's better like if you're going to do an IV or something that is just mm-hmm. not all formulations actually even work. Mm-hmm. And actually, that was if somebody is, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong here, please. But um, I think I even put it on my sheet that IV glutathione, if if somebody has had the shots, and they're having adverse reactions, that probably just going right directly to IV glutathione's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. We have a local, like a lot of cities now have local IV companies that do like do home visits mm-hmm. and I'm in mm-hmm. the Charlotte, North Carolina area. We have two different companies that do that, which is great. And they'll do home visits. So they'll come to my office. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, from everything I've read, that's if you're having, if you're having any adverse symptoms uh, from the jabs, that that's probably the first line of defense. And then, you know, definitely up your vitamin D and your C and zinc and all of that. But that's and then I and then if it were me, um, I would start taking ivermectin once a week as a preventative. Just oh help. yes, I, we definitely have our stash. Mm-hmm. Yep, me too. <laughs> so my stash. Oh, and I'm going to ask you because some people on this Kootenai Freedom thread were like, "Oh, it's for I, it's it's for intramuscular use," and I'm like, "It's pure ivermectin. It doesn't make any difference." Um, just do your 0.2, let's see what 0.2 milligrams per kilogram body weight. Um, you know, pull it out with a syringe, put it in a little glass. Uh, I put, I use, um, a flavored MCT oil cause it's pretty disgusting. Uh, and it should be taken with uh, fat as far as I understand, cause it helps your body to access it and then just chug it down. Right. It doesn't make any difference if it's for veterinary use. And I imagine that's why it's injected because you're not going to get an animal to, lap it up yeah I I yeah I actually just got the pills just because I just thought it was just I was able to get it around here so I just got the pills uh, yeah well we can't uh, <laughs> but the the liquid the pure liquid it's pure ivermectin you know and just because it's for veterinary right. use it, it doesn't make I th- any difference I think the what, biggest risk is just to make sure your math is right because uh, that's where I see in doctors are complaining oh ivermectin is dangerous uh this patient had um neurologic reactions because they use the veterinary form, but I think it's just the dosing. Mm -hmm. Well, I know like for me, 0.2 milligram per kilogram body weight is just, uh, and and this is, it's 10 mil of ivermectin or 10, yeah, 10 mil or 10 milligram per mil in this bottle. So I, I just take a, just a tad over a mil. I mean, it's not, so only, so for me, that's 10, 10 milligrams or 10 mil, yeah, 10 milligrams of ivermectin. Right. Yeah. My, my daily dose, I think for my weight, is like 12 milligrams, I think a day. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So you just have to make sure you got the right dose. That's it. Yeah. Yep. So that sounds like the right, I can't remember where I I found that, but the 0.2 milligram per kilogram body weight sounds like that's, that's the right uh, formula for that. And for sicker people, I'll go up to 0.4 milligrams per kilogram, but Mm-hmm. I would okay. not do the higher doses without somebody being aware of it. Um, right. For sure. Right. And my understanding is uh, preventively once a week is fine. Um, and and what what I've read, if for symptoms, I've read three days and I've read five days. I, I've been doing five days. That's what the protocol I'm following mm-hmm. is, says five days. Okay. And along with okay. melatonin, melatonin seems to have some benefit and, and the FLCCC right. Uh, group they added in fluvoxamine um it's like a mm-hmm. serotonin like blocker but i can't remember exactly the mechanism something i think it might help with the cytokine storm part so they've started adding that one in pretty early on and then seeing good benefits from that too okay so while we're talking about this maybe somebody wants to get connected with you because i know we did that in our first conversation but we didn't in the second one why don't you just do that right now tell people if you know how they can connect with you um i'm at uh, bentonintegrative.com 
That's B-E-N-T-O-N, like bentonintegrative.com. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I do have licenses in other states. Right now I have like telemedicine license in New Mexico and California, Kentucky, Ohio, Virginia, South Carolina. I think that's it right now. And so I can help a lot of people. Great. And I'll put a link on the podcast website again. So I always have that. I just thought since we're talking about what you can do, people might want to connect. And and that's (laughs) for people. There's a site called myfreedoctor.com. There's um, the Americans Frontline Doctors. And then there's the COVID19criticalcare.com group. It's the FLCCC. They also have doctors who are prescribing. They have the state um, states listed. That way you have to find someone who, though, who has a license for your state. Okay. Okay. So is there anything else you want to add on the COVID? And before we get into, I think we're going to finally get into the influenza yeah, right. vaccine. <laughs> well, all, all I can say is that we, this is time to be brave and Mm-hmm. Just know that for all the all the people that are being threatened with their jobs, that they can't afford to lose everybody. There's, especially in the healthcare field, the, there's not enough em- employees already. So if they're going to be mm-hmm. like, they're just not going to fire everyone. So I think I think this uh, case of playing chicken right now, and I think we need to hold our ground and say we do not consent to be part of an experiment that's going on. And remember the Nuremberg Code. So we have to stand strong mm-hmm. for that. So just sending love out there to everyone who's sitting there in fear, worried about losing their job. They can't lose everybody. Mm-hmm. We've got, we got to, we've got yeah. to turn the energy around from us being victims mm-hmm. and from being in defensive mode to us being like victors. And we are doing the right thing and we're going to be protected in the long run. And we just have to be brave and trust that, you know, like four years ago when I lost my job over the flu vaccine or I guess five or six years ago now, it turned out way better. Cause I have my own practice and my life is so much better as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. the good things can come out of this. We just have to trust. Yeah. I, I've heard so many people say this now, just say no. We just, we all have to do that. We all have to just say no. I was, I was listening to, uh, Oh, Thomas Rents. He's, uh, uh, one of the lawyers, like, uh, Rocco Galati and Heinrich Fulmisch, for, or, yeah, the German guy that are filing lawsuits. And he said his team, I just, I just saw him uh, on video a few days ago. He said his team has been really delving into the data. And he said from, he said, you know, unless there's something they're missing, he said that it looks like only 30% in the States are vaccinated. Wow. And he said, you know, now there may be something they don't have, but from everything that they've been able to gather, get a hold of and analyze that it's only 30%. Uh, and I know up here in Canada, they're trying to say it's over 90%. And I'm sorry, excuse me, but that's bullshit. There's no way. I think I think that we are, there's a lot that's being presented to us on media to make us feel pressure and that we just have to trust. Mm-hmm. We, have to tr- we have to know ourselves and know that we have a right and, and if we want to be free, we have to be free. We're not asked to be free. Yes. We have to be free. We are free. We are, we should have bodily autonomy. It doesn't mean there's not going to be some consequences, unfortunately, in this day and age. But until everyone loses their freedom, people are going to realize we're not free in the first place. So we're going to have to stand strong. Yes. And we're really close to losing everything. In fact, I think I was just telling you about Allison McDowell, this video that I just watched. It's so good. And um, it really helps you to understand what's going on. And I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to post it on your podcast webpage so that people can access it if they want. It's it's really, really good. Right. Awesome. Okay. The influenza vaccine. <laughs> well, do you want to hear my story about how I got fired first or just? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Because I haven't heard it, so I'm very interested myself. I don't care about anybody else. I want to know. This started back years ago, and um, I had I actually volunteered three years in a row to take the vaccine. I'd never taken it my whole life and never had the flu except for, I think, it was sixth grade or something like that. And um, I took the flu. Okay, let me start with why did you volunteer? Well, because that was before I questioned anything. They're, like, trying to push it, and they're like, oh, that's when they first started saying you know, because I was going to be having babies and I got to protect the babies. And I made my mom and my brother and my sister get vaccinated uh, for the flu shot. This is uh, probably 
I don't know, 14, 15 years ago, I guess. And um, three years in a row, I stayed sick all winter long. I mean, I'm talking about four or five Mm. months, just cold after cold after cold. I'm like, why am I sick? And then my mom, my brother, and my sister, all three had a flu-like illness for like a good week after their flu vaccine. They all missed work for the week and three years in a row. So the whole idea of this, oh, it can't make you sick. If you're sick, it was just coincidence. It would have been worse had you not had the flu vaccine, all that stuff that I had been trained all those years. I'm like, uh, three years in a row, I'm a little suspicious, right? So, so mm-hmm. then there's the following year that they actually started mandating it, but it was kind of a loose mandate. It's kind of the early in this whole like energy towards mandates. And um, so I got away with it the first year. I'm like, I'm not going to take it. And then the next year they're like, nope, you got to take it or you got to wear a mask. And so I wrote to the guy in charge. I'm like, so what is your science to support me having to wear a face mask or for me having to get the flu vaccine, anything. And he's like, well, I don't really know the data. This is the guy who's in charge of the entire medical system. I won't mention which one because I don't want to get sued <laughs> by him. Anyway, but the, the guy in charge, he's a medical doctor turned administrative guy. And he says, I don't really have the data, but the major organizations recommend it. So he listed a bunch like the AAP, the AFP, the American Hospital Association, like 10 things, right? 10 or 15 things. Mm-hmm. So I wrote uh, all of them. And um, the American Academy of Pediatrics wrote back to me, I don't have any, we don't have anything on our website. Uh, have you checked out the NIH for studies? <laughs> so they didn't know. The wow. um, several other ones like, no, sorry, we don't have anything. The American Hospitals Association is the only one that responded with a nursing home study that had, it was a smaller study and they compared a nursing home that required all employees to get a vaccine and versus the other ones that didn't. And they had decreased mortality in that group. Okay, great. However, strangely enough, it was not even with flu. The flu deaths were the same. The flu pneumonia deaths were the same. But it's like an overall decreased mortality. That was the study that they sent to me. Right? So that was a very foundation. I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. So um, I I started really studying and that's when I realized, crap, there's really no data behind this. And so that's... I'll give you the gist of some of the data on my website. There's the whole list of a good list of studies for that. And I can give that to you to put on your, uh, on your page if you want. Great. Mm-hmm. So anyway, basically under 18, it doesn't work over 65. It doesn't work between 18 to 65. It has a modest effect. It says 40 to 60% efficacious in a 40 year meta-analysis that they look at everything. Now that includes like studies that were paid for by pharma. Mm. So the, um, and, the Centers for Infectious uh, Disease Research and Policy, called SIDRAP, they did the same study, but they took out more of those. They found similar endpoints, but still, it, it had to be in a perfectly matched year that it reached the higher percentages. But really, they found really like not great studies. And they said that they, in the conclusion said, that until we actually give incentive to have better vaccines, it's probably not going to change because they already have the, the market. So there's no point in them trying to come up with a different vaccine that's more effective, right? So interesting, mm-hmm. right? And, and even there's a children's study with asthmatic children that shows increased risk of hospitalization. And so, I mean, it goes on and on. There's really, it's pretty damning. And then you even look at the number of deaths per year. So I kept hearing, gosh, like when, when I was in training 20 some years ago, 30,000 a year die from the flu. And each year it went up and up and up until like, I think a couple of years ago, 80,000 a year die from the flu. When you look on the website for the CDC, it said flu and pneumonia. Like <laughs> convenient. <clears throat> so they include all causes of pneumonia. I'm gonna talk about COPD related, HIV related, all that pneumonia. I'm like, wait a second. So then I got in there and figured out how to get into the national vital statistics records on the CDC website. And you plug in flu positive deaths. And it averaged one to three thousand a year from flu positive deaths on the death certificate. And, mm. um, in like 2010, I think there were like 60 cases is ridiculously low. I, I can't remember. Oh my that, goodness. But it was under a hundred, um, of deaths. So I'm like, Oh, wait, wait a second. So all these years they've been, what are they doing? They're inflating the deaths. And, and then it's a mathematical model. So any deaths too, that will occur during the flu season, they could easily put into that model. It's a mathematical mm-hmm. model. Whereas children's mm-hmm. deaths from flu are actually reportable. So we know there were 142 deaths or there were 96 deaths because those are reportable. Adult flu deaths okay. are 
portable. So that's why they can get away with that. So anyway, so mm. that tells you. So the deaths are not as bad and the and the flu vaccine studies suck. So I'm like, all right, let me try to get in touch with the CDC. And I kept being turned away. And then I went to a functional medicine uh, conference out in California. And there was, and I, I don't believe in accidents. Do not believe in mm. accidents. There was a mm-hmm. senior medical official from the CDC sitting beside me at lunch. And so that was like, <laughs> That um, it was just like a loose lunch. It was, it was a speaker, but it was like, we we're all eating lunch and talking. And so I said, hey, so you're from the CDC? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, are you like a spy? And she's like, well, kind of. Like, they sent me out here to see what you guys are saying. And she seemed nice. I'm like, so what do you think about the flu vaccine? She's like, oh, it's great. But what do you think about the studies about the flu vaccine? She's like, that they're good? Do you know the studies about the flu vaccine? She And she said, um, I guess you're going to tell me. I'm like, yep. So... <laughs> I proceeded to tell her all the studies and her jaw dropped. She, she's like, I had no clue. I really thought we'd have good studies behind the flu shot. I thought it was just a given. So the senior uh. medical official from the CDC. All right. So I'm like, I want you to contact. <laughs> I've been trying to get in touch with the, with the boss over there for years and no one's paying attention to me. So she gave me the medical director of the influenza division of the CDC at the time. And I'm not going to say her name now because I don't want to cause any more trouble for her than what she needs at this point. But anyway, so I met with her. And at this point, I was a little country doctor in North Carolina. And I was like, I literally hid in the closet to meet with her. Like literally in the closet. To, I was expected to be creamed by the CDC, right? The CDC is so big. So I start, I talk to her and she seems super nice. And I start going through the studies. And as I mentioned, the studies, she's like, yep, 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 yep. And I was like, well, so at the end, I'm like, okay, rebuttal. And she's like, no, no rebuttal. I'm like, no, 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 People are losing their jobs across the country over the flu vaccine. And she's like, it's not because of me. I don't, I don't support that because there's not enough science behind it. I'm like, but you guys create public policy. People look to you for public policy. And she's like, listen, I'm in the military and I'm doing what I'm told. I was like, there will never be a good mm. flu vaccine. Uh, it mutates every year. There's hundreds, if not thousands of strains of things that can cause the flu. Uh, we have to guess a year in advance. It's like they're literally just like the SIDRAP said. There's 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 no incentive for them to come up with a better vaccine. But in the last ten years or so, it's been averaging nine to thirty percent efficacious for preventing flu. It doesn't decrease transmission rate. It doesn't decrease death. It doesn't decrease hospitalization. It decreases flu. Most people don't care about the flu. Flu kind of sucks. You miss a couple of days of work. Most people do fine with the flu. And actually, right. as you know, if you learn how to support the immune system, you do even better with the flu. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. when I got that, I'm like, holy cow, like, why did I not have a recorder? <laughs> yeah. No <laughs> I was going to be cream, but I was like, I totally like, I'm so proud of myself. So I went back and asked for a meeting with the, that director guy over that big uh, hospital system and uh-huh. head infectious disease doctor. So I went to meet with him. So... I started what I was talking about, I started going through the studies, and then the, the ID doctor says, but listen, when people get sick with the flu, it's very expensive. But what does me getting the flu shot have to do with that? If it doesn't decrease transmission rate, hospitalization rate, death rate, me getting it does not prevent that person from entering into the um, ICU. Mm-hmm. And she said, and that's like, and I'm a family physician sitting six feet from my patients across the room. Why am I going to have to wear a face mask all day long when I'm well? And other people get the flu shot and they don't have to wear the face mask because they get the flu shot. Meanwhile, they're spreading germs and I'm a healthy person having to be masked up. And at this point, the masks were a whole different subject at this point. On the CDC website, it says no science supports masking. And same thing with the WHO <laughs> as of last June. It says no studies show the, that masking helps anyone but the direct contact, you know, like in the ICU when you're like right there in someone's face. Right. Right. Anyway, mm-hmm. and if you're sick. The actual sick mm-hmm. person needs to be masked if they're going to be expo- like going out someplace, and- right? And in the beginning, that's what Fauci said, right? Right. Yeah. That was the that was the thing at the time. So, anyway, so then the guy in charge, he's like, "But my son, he was uh, my son-in-law. He got sick with the flu and was in the ICU for like a month and a half." I'm like, "I'm so sorry for your anecdote." <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, but it still has nothing to do with me being vaccinated. And he says, I have to admit, you came pretty well prepared. I'm like, why would I not be pre- well prepared? I've already been to the CDC over this and I'm bringing you studies. I'm still waiting on your studies. He's like, listen, you're just going to have to suck it up and get used to it because you're going to have to get the flu vaccine. That's, it was after that, that I found out the wow. 2% Medicare bonus for mm. that mandated the vaccine. It got over a certain percentage. 
right? Ah, mm -hmm. The money. So it was, um, and then I, I sent him an email when I found that out. I'm like, oh, so you're actually getting money for this. So you're willing to sacrifice people's lives so you can actually make more money for the hospital system and y'all can get your bonuses. How do you sleep at night? And so then he sent me an email, stop harassing me. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, no, you're harassing me because you're coming after me to put and inject me with a vaccine that makes me physically ill for months at a time. I am trying to protect myself from you. And so anyway, so he didn't respond back. So then it was Christmas. It was Christmas. No, New Year's Eve of 2014. This tells you how long ago this was that um, the CDC had come out with there is 90 percent the efficacy for the flu vaccine that year. So I sent him this email and I basically remember it verbatim. I was like, dear doctor, I'll leave out his name for the sake of this. So he doesn't sue me. I know, I, I wonder if you heard that the CDC admitted that yet once again, the flu vaccine is only 19% effective. Now, I know how much you care about patient safety. So since no one is really protected, maybe everyone should wear a face mask, right? It's about patient safety, isn't it? Happy mm -hmm. New Year. And of course, <laughs> going into this, that letter right there, I, I had a senior partner who had been... Um, let go and give it a severance package because we, we were pretty rebellious in general. We refused to see 35 to 40 patients a day. Oh, wow. And just so you know, and I'm going to brag, we were always the number one for um, the quality of care measures for our clinic out of the entire medical system. That's huge. It's like probably the third largest behind the VA and behind, behind like Kaiser Permanente. It's a huge system. Oh, wow. Um, so we're always number one out of the family doctor's office. So we were, wow. we were good, right? Mm-hmm. So I was trying to get a severance package because I didn't want to just quit and have to start a job right away. So, and I knew that I could get a job where this other senior physician went. And so that Monday they let me go and I was like dancing, partying, high-fiving people. And the guy <laughs> was like confused. He was like, oh, you know what we're doing? Like, yes. <laughs> if you get an answer to God at the end of the night, there's more power to you, but I can't work for this place. So thank you for this gift. And he just looked super confused. And then the other guy was there. He's like, well, you'll get a job. I'm like, I already have a job. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm an integrated family physician. I can get a job anywhere I want to go. So lo and behold, I had a job 12.2 miles away, just over the required. And I had a job. And I was able to spend four months studying vaccines. Literally, I studied mm -hmm. vaccines probably six hours a day, five days a week. Turn that for Wow. And that's when I had to like, let me figure out what's going on with this stuff because I need to know which vaccines my kids needs, you know, because they all had vaccine reactions. So I had to figure out which ones are good for them, which ones do they need. And, and I, that's when I fell down a major rabbit hole and my life was never the same since then. But it's been a blessing because it, I've been able to have my own clinic and help other people that have been dismissed, you know, made fun of, not listened to. And so I'm full of gratitude for that opportunity. And I don't have to take the flu shot. Now, there's so much trying to figure out a way to make everyone take this COVID vaccine, but I'm trying to figure that one out. Yeah. I'm navigating that right now. But that that's my mm -hmm. fun story. So that's why, I mean, I I'll tell that story too. It's like if someone gets fired, you know, this is just a season. Like um, it is scary. And at that time I was going into being a single parent, open my own practice. Uh, so I was going to be on my own. And granted, I'm a doctor. It helps. Gosh, it helps. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I, I it's different than being a factory worker or, or working at Walmart mm -hmm. or someplace. I mean, I get it. It's scary as can be. But my life is measurably better now because I did the right thing for me. Mm -hmm. I did the right thing yep. for me. And I have no problems. And I took it all the way to the CDC. And I got no science back from anyone to support what's happening in this country. From anybody. Not the infectious disease doctor and not the head of the CDC influenza division. You know, <clears throat> I've watched uh, just, a, I, I'm going to just kind of summarize here so I don't take up too much time, but I, I think I'll post this video. I watched a video of Carrie Mullis, who is the inventor. He was, he's passed away, the inventor of the PCR test. And I watched a video of him talking about, um, he was supposed to write a grant, a new grant for HIV research. I, I forget where it was. It, it's in the video. And the title was HIV causes AIDS. And he thought, okay, I need something to back this up. Well, he, 
He went through so much. He contacted so many people and agencies to get actual data studies to back this up. And he couldn't find anything. Hmm. Nada. And he even at the end, he was able to connect with Luc Montagnier, who's like the, you know, the guy for virology. And he actually couldn't come up with anything either to actually back it up. I'm going to post that. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that up because it, it's backing up what you're saying about oftentimes there's nothing behind a lot of this. They say there is, but then when you actually ask for the data or the studies, there's nothing there. HIV is this whole rabbit hole. I haven't, I haven't had time to go down that rabbit hole. I've just gotten, I've peeked into that rabbit hole and it's pretty crazy. It really is. I just, I've been reading Virus Mania. It's a really good book. And she, uh, she's an MD from, I think, New Zealand. I learned about her because she was interviewing uh, Andrew Kaufman, Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Right. She's one of the authors of the book. Um, she's narrating it. She's talking about a, a lot of these viral diseases and going into how there's no data there really isn't. <laughs> and she backs everything up. It's quite interesting. <clears throat> oh, kind of leaves you wondering. I only imagine because I just did that with the flu vaccine. I tell my doctor friends, I'm like, that's crazy. And then they still give the flu shot. And I'm like, but why are you still giving the flu vaccine? And they're like, but we have to. It's uh, selling the quality of care measures. <laughs> so you get bonuses. You get bonuses based upon your quality of care measures um, and, and complying with that. Oh, wow. And you can sleep at night? Apparently, thank you. I mean, seriously, uh, you know, just yeah. say fucking no. <laughs> I know. And that's when I realized I'm on a different planet because mm -hmm. I can tell people who I know who I consider to be good people. Mm -hmm. Again, they're doing the best they can. They I consider them good people and they're still doing that. You're like, I, 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 I live on a different planet. I live in a different reality yep. than a lot of others that I know. And I don't, I, I can't comprehend knowing the, that data and still pushing it. Just for money. I, I can't. I can't. I'm with you. I'm with you. I can't live it. But what I'll do, because um, I can go through the data, but it's like, honestly, it's kind of what I, I'm going to send you my PowerPoints that has some really good data. And that's really oh, based great. on this form, form consent. is a really great flu vaccine handout. And then, because I'm on, on the board for that. So physicians form form consent. If anyone wants to join, we need your support, especially these days. That and ICANDecide.org, they need mm -hmm. your support children's health health defense anyways i'll give you that and i'll give you sort of my my quick blog rundown of my informed consent i say basically look at the cdc for the pros and then look at my studies to balance it out but until about three years ago the cdc had no studies listed on their website for the flu it said ongoing studies at the bottom <laughs> then suddenly i don't know if it's because of me talking about it all the time you know because they, they kind of caught wind. I think about my, I did a video that kind of went virally and talked about the same thing. I'm like, I'm probably in trouble with them anyway. But now they've got some studies on there and they sound like great studies. You, you can find individual cherry pick studies for sure to support whatever you want, right. no matter what it is. But the, the overwhelming data from meta-analysis, like from the Cochrane database and for the SIDRAP show otherwise. Mm -hmm. and, and again, modest effect, but you know, if we could actually just teach people how to support the immune system, we don't have to worry about that. Right. Right. And do it until some people are going to die because guess what? Some people die. We're human. Yep. And it sounds crass. And I think we should do everything we can to decrease death within reason, but it's got to still be my responsibility to manage my health. Like your health is not my responsibility. Mm -hmm. My health is not your responsibility. When we're looking on the micro level, yes, I believe in doing things for the greater good as much as possible, but not sacrificing myself. I'm not going to sacrifice myself. Right. For other people, and it's not fair to have people do that. That's that's a propaganda tool. Yes, I agree. You can't have a healthy collective if you have a bunch of sick individuals. The individuals make up the collective, right? So we have to make sure the the individuals are healthy to help the collective. Mm -hmm. But we have different ideas of what that means. But in, with the billions of people on Earth, we all have different ideas of what that means. But that's what freedom is. We have to have the right to choose what health means to me. I have family members who choose to smoke. It's their right to choose to smoke. Now, I don't want to be in the car with them, but it's their right to smoke. Mm -hmm. You know, right. it's their right to drink alcohol if they want, as long as they're not behind the wheel of the car. Right. We're humans. We are 
we have to live in harmony with the universe. We have to figure out how to live in harmony the best we can. Thank God for antibiotics. Thank God for interventions. And some people say, thank God for vaccines, whatever, whatever it is. But as long as I have the choice to choose. Right. That's what's important. If somebody wants to go ahead and do it, fine. But don't force me. Don't force me. I have a history of health issues with vaccines. Mm-hmm. My body does not like vaccines. I wonder if I wonder if anybody's body likes vaccines, actually. A lot of people could argue that, right? You look at the rise of, you know, neurosensory issues and autoimmune issues and ear infections and eczema and like childhood illnesses. I mean, again, back in the 1980s, 12% of kids had a chronic disease state. Now 54% of kids do. Mm, I know. That's not normal. No. Like we're, we're like battling chronic diseases. I mean, exponential rises in type one diabetes, which that's going to shorten lifespans. Mm -hmm. Right. And the reality that the death rates, there were no crises before. And now we, we've got a relative crisis with the COVID, but we, it's a crisis that we've manufactured because we've refused to let people and doctors treat people's immune systems. And we've refused to let doctors be free. I just, I've had pharmacists, ugh, I've had pharmacists refuse to fill the ivermectin and throughout the year. And I'm like, the meta-analysis just came out recently that showed overwhelming benefit and I'm like, enough. Like I had one call, you know, refused yesterday. And the poor guy, I said, hey, would you like information on ivermectin to show overwhelming positive effect on mortality? He says, no, it's not FDA approved. I'm like, <laughs> the vaccine is not FDA approved. It was not FDA approved when they were using it on everyone. Most medicines we use are off-label. He's like, but the FDA did not approve that for off-label use. I was like, the FDA does not approve off-label uses. <laughs> That's not how it works. But what you're doing is you're preventing me from giving someone life-saving medications. And it's like, that's practice in medicine. And he's like, but it's, but it's not, uh, it's not okay. Like everyone's saying it's not okay. I'm like, I'm the doctor. I'm prescribing. You are trying to intervene and practice your own medicine on my patient. And if you do not dispense this medicine, I'm going to have to, re- to report you to the pharmacy board for practice in medicine. And he says, well, then go ahead. I'm like, I will. So I did. Good. That's ridiculous. Next time their their pharmacists refuse to prescribe ivermectin, they need to report the pharmacist for practicing medicine. Next time the doctors refuse to give them life-saving medicines, they need to report them to the medical board for refusing to give them life-saving medicines. We've got to like stop being victims and like scurrying around in fear and say, no, this, this is enough. Mm-hmm. This is treatable. Mm-hmm. There are enough doctors with experiences across this country that is science. In a new pandemic with a new virus, when when it's a new virus, there's not already science. You can't look at like randomized controlled trials. But old medicines don't have to follow those same rules because they are proven safe already. They don't have to go through the same rigorous trials of pharmaceuticals that are brand new because we know that medicine already. Right. So at this point, doctors are withholding life-saving treatments. Pharmacists are withholding life-saving treatments is on the name of propaganda is not in the name of science if they were truly science and if we truly cared about the population as a whole we would be jumping up and down wait vitamin d has decreased mortality wait ivermectin has decreased mortality let's do everything if i would have heard my government say let's give ivermectin vitamin d everything we can vaccine whatever i would have had a lot more trust for our government but that's not what they're doing Mm -hmm. they're suppressing it they're harassing like Dr. McCullough that's yep. like talking about ivermectin are going after him. And this guy has nothing. He has everything to lose. Mm-hmm. This guy yes. had, had everything. He has everything to lose. Nothing to gain. But being made a villain. And that's what they're doing to him. And he's still going strong. And that's what it's going to take. Yeah. There's no incentive for people like me or him or anyone else to go against the grain this hard. Except for the fact we save lives. Yes. That's really important. You know, it's the people who have everything to lose and nothing to gain who are speaking out. They're the ones that everyone should be listening to, not the ones who are making tons of money off of these vaccines and who are 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 part of that whole establishment. And I want to you were talking about cherry picking studies. Uh, a book that I would I recommend. I actually, I mean, it sounds boring, but it, this was my nighttime reading for for quite a few nights. Miller's review of critical vaccine studies. Yeah, 
Uh-huh. Because that really, when you talk about cherry picking and you know throwing out studies that don't fit what your narrative, what you want to show, he really goes into that. Four hundred different studies. It's it's really quite it's really quite good. Miller's review of critical vaccine studies. I actually did a little forward on that one. Oh, you like did. Little, <laughs> I did. I'm like super famous. Oh yeah, <laughs> good for you. No, that one, uh, that and um, uh, that's cute. That and dissolving delusions by Suzanne Humphreys, Doctor Suzanne Humphreys. That one, that one book is one of my favorite books. Me too. Every doctor should read that book, and it's so well referenced. That book right there, I, I've had doctors read it that they just kind of were start ask questions and they're like, oh my gosh, I can never unread this and undo this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their lives are forever. So like, I can't go backwards. And and I would say not just doctors, but everyone should read it. It's really. Everyone should for sure. Gosh. But it was, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Page turning. Once you get the polio chapter. Like the, I would say the smallpox over 300 years is kind of like t- tedious. But once you get to the, uh, the polio chapter, you're like. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. I have taken the blue pill. Yep. Yeah. No, she's, you know, and if I recall, it, it, she's a nephrologist, right? Yeah. And um, wasn't it that she she started seeing adverse reactions to some of the vaccines and that's what got her down the, it really is, when, sorry, everybody, but it really is a rabbit hole. Once you start looking at these things, it's like, oh my God. And she doing the right thing. And she's had to go a whole different road, mm-hmm. not the easy path. Right. And believe me, writing books, they always talk about people, write, you don't get rich off of writing those books because it's very niche. You know, mm-hmm. she's willing to lose it all to do the right thing. Yeah. I have utmost respect for her. Yeah, I have. Yes, me too. I think she's amazing too. She is amazing. And very, and very strict about, very straightforward and on point about details and about facts. Mm-hmm. Not... She does not exaggerate anything. She's fantastic. Right. So once so, again, if anybody's interested, it's Dissolving Illusions by Suzanne Humphreys. Excellent. Another excellent book. If you really want to educate yourself and learn. So thank you for having me again. But I just, again, I told, I want to tell that story again, because good things come out of hard things mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, it does. And, and w- but when you're true to who you are and you're living in your flow state, what you're meant to do and you're living with integrity you do the right thing. Yes. Now, again, I'm not trying to say other people are not having integrity on the other side. Like, I think we just have differences of opinion. I won't say that about someone who's trying to force me to take it mm-hmm. against my will. But if you, if someone opposes what I believe in and they are like, oh, no, we need the vaccine for everyone, but I'm not for mandates, fine. Because I, I know a lot of these people have integrity. They just have listened to the news for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've been locked down with the news. So they that's how they see things. That's their truth. And I'm, I will support anyone in their truth as long as they don't force anything on me. Right, right. <laughs> also, I think it's really important to consider and and listen to and read different points of view. Absolutely. You know, and not just be stuck with your blinders on and and not want to even see. I mean, here you're talking about other f- physicians who you admire and you like, and they won't even look at it. They won't even consider this information. They get angry when you show them other studies. Well, that tells me something if they're getting angry. <laughs> but they don't even realize why. That's the most bizarre thing. I don't think they understand why they're so angry. I'm like, why, why are you so angry? I'm showing you a positive study. I, 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 I'm still trying to process that myself. I don't think people want to be wrong. And, you know, what does that say about the last year and a half of what, what these doctors have been doing if they come across information that says what they've been doing has been wrong and actually harming people. might be a bitter pill to swallow. Right. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's too hard. I think it's too hard to go down rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. I think it's painful. Like I had to go through my own grieving process when I started realizing a lot of things I was facing. Mm -hmm. The anger, the disappointment, the disbelief, and then acceptance, but then also like, how can no one else see this? <laughs> you know, that thing is hard. It's a very lonely. It's a very lonely world. Our tribe is pretty small and it's, yep. it's okay. That's why, that's why I kind of put, want to put out there to anyone who's kind of skeptical, understanding it, it's not easy for someone to choose this route. Right. So we're not doing it just for fun because it's easy. We're doing it because, <laughs> right. And 
is not popular. We're not making money off of it. I make way less money than I ever did before and worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still provided for. I have everything I need. But, you know, I make a third of the money I used to make. Worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is definitely the harder route. (laughs) It's not. It is definitely the harder route. And it's also not particularly a place where we want to be when we're looking at this stuff. But I mean, for me, I have my ethics. I I want truth. I, I don't want to live in a fog of of deceit. You know, that's it's important to me to find the truth. Right. So thank you again oh. for having me. Always fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Cami Benton, for standing up and speaking your truth in these times of blatant persecution, which only seems to be getting worse. The podcast website, once again, is realjanine.com, and Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. Cami has to get going, so I'm speaking fast. Please consider subscribing through your favorite podcast provider, and please share this conversation with your friends and family. Maybe it will save someone's life or at least a lot of grief and pain. You can find video slideshows of all my conversations on YouTube for the older ones, and the newer ones are now on BitChute. Please, please share this important conversation. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Take care and be well.